Father, we thank you for your love and grace, your mercy, your goodness, your kindness to us, Father. We're grateful to be here on this beautiful Sunday as brothers and sisters in you, compelled to be where you are, Lord, challenged by the gospel and the good news of your sacrifice to be in relationship with us. Father, I pray that we will never take um, your, the sacrifice of your son for granted and the great lengths that you've gone to to be in relationship with us. Father, I pray that we would honor that, um, whether we eat, drink, whatever we do, as your word says, that we would do it for your glory. And I also pray that we would, as um, the song said this morning, that we would be willing to do anything for your glory, Father. We put this service into, this, into your hands. We put our lives into your hands, and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, super, super excited. Guys, I always get amped when I get a chance to preach in front of my brothers and sisters in Christ, um, but even, even more amped when I get to preach in front of my mom. If y'all could give my mom a round of applause. Came all the way from Novi, Michigan this morning to be in fellowship with us, and, and I celebrate her because I wouldn't be up here um, if it wasn't for the life that she lived in front of me. If it wasn't for the way the gospel impacted her, I wouldn't be here um, today. My life wouldn't be what it is today. I wouldn't have the relationship with the Lord that I have today if it weren't for how the gospel impacted her life and how I got to see her love on different people. So I'm going to turn this way so I don't look at her and start crying while we're preaching today. While we're preaching today. But in the, in the same fashion, we're in this book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, the apostle Paul is talking about the gospel to the church that they planted in Corinth. He's writing them a letter. Uh, and the letter starts talking about unity and the importance of that. And it goes through a litany of different things and issues in a church that we could work on, but we're right toward the end here. The, the next chapter is just going to be about greetings and things like that. Say hi to this person. Say what's up to them. Make sure y'all hug and kiss when y'all see each other, right? But this is kind of like the, the last important thing. I shouldn't say the next chapter is important, but the last big thing that Paul's talking about. And oftentimes you can see when people communicate, it's what you say at the beginning that's super important. It's what you say at the end that's really important. And the rest is marrying those together. And this last thing that he's talking about is remembering the gospel and being uh, compelled by the gospel. And what is the gospel, right? And how, the, how everything that we do hinges on that. He even says, I don't, like if the gospel isn't true, if the gospel is, if Jesus hasn't died and resurrected, then all this other stuff we're doing is nonsense. We might as well just eat and drink because tomorrow we die and it's over. But because of the gospel, we have hope. Because of the gospel, um, we have a relationship with the Lord. And so we're going to get into that. But before we get started, if you're new to Mosaic, we like to start our sermons with some, um, with some section questions. And so we got a few questions for your groups to get together and talk about. And then we're going to get right into the message. So I got to get a little closer and get my glasses on. Question one is, can you think of a movie where someone started out bad, but they changed and became good? Why are we drawn to stories like this? And then question two is, think of someone who has committed a terrible act. What would it take for you to trust that person? We're going to give you five minutes and then we'll come back after.
So here in the book of Corinthians, we're going to talk a lot about the gospel. It's going to be, as far as chapter 15 goes, the central theme is the gospel. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel. You're going to hear that repeated oftentimes. And what gospel means is good news. Good news. For there to be good news, there would have had to have been some bad news, right? Has anybody ever gotten good news that, hey, I got a new job? Or, hey, I got good news that such and such, you know, is healthy again, or we're having a baby, or usually good news um, is contrast to bad news, right? I didn't have a job, or I was sick, or I had, you know, some issue or whatever, right? And so we know when good news comes, we celebrate it, but um, we, the reason we celebrate it is that we recognize what the bad news is. And so as we're talking about the gospel, the good news here, I feel like it's important for us to know what was the bad news? What was the bad news that led us to needing this good news or desiring this good news? And the bad news was this, that the God creator of the universe created us and made us in his image. We were made in his image and in his likeness to be in relationship with him to live forever. And this is what we read in the book of Genesis. And when we say made in your image, Something that is creating in the image of something else is created to glorify whatever image it was created in, right? So it, say, for example, Mom Pam here. If we made a statue of Mom Pam, who I think Mom Pam is awesome, by the way. But if we made a statue of Mom Pam, it would celebrate her beauty, her grace, her philanthropy, you know, the hair would be done really nice. The nails would definitely be done very nice, very nicely, right? She would have her grandbabies and children and all of that next to her. Like this would be something that celebrates her and she would look at it and probably be pleased with it. But let's say we had a, there was a, somebody made a statue of mom Pam and that statue wasn't beautiful. That statue didn't have hair done, nails done. That statue didn't have grandbabies and things like that with her. It had like a bunch of gremlins or something like that. I don't know, just making, making something up. Let's say, let's say that this had her, you know, using vulgar language and things like that, that isn't who she is. We would look at that and like, wait a minute, this is not representing her well. And frankly, if, if it were up to Joel, myself, Crystal, or all the people that love her, that thing would have to be destroyed because it does not represent her the right way. It is not in, it's, it's not a depiction of her as it was intended to be. And for us, being created in the image of God, we were created to glorify him. We were created to live out his image. So in the way that we talk to people, in the way that we love each other, in the way that we're unified as brothers and sisters in him, in the way that we help the poor or, or minister um, to people that are sick, or visit people in prison, and all the things that we did, we were created to bring glory to God. Somebody should be able to look at your life and the way that you engage with other people and know that there is a God, and that that God is loving, and that that God is caring, and that that God um, is awesome, right? Like, this is what the depiction should be when people look at you and, and can see the reflection of God on you. But that's not what actually happened. Uh, due to Adam and Eve making a decision in a garden, we chose away from God. We chose away from his instruction. And we continue to perpetually live in a way 
that was leading to ultimate destruction and death. We no longer were going to live forever. We were going to spend an eternity away from God in destruction and, and, and in, in hell, right? Like this was going to be an awful, awful, punishing um, plight for us. And we were stuck in that. We had no way to choose ourselves back. We had no way to just like, ah, you know what? My bad, take it back. Like we were what, what scripture calls slaves to sin. And the good news is that the debt that needed to be paid for us to be back in relationship with God was paid on our behalf by his son. That's the good news that he's talking about. We could not do this ourselves. We had no ability to do this ourselves. This is something that could only be paid by some. I don't know if any of you guys have ever had a debt that was too big that, that you couldn't pay. I've had those at oftentimes. Um, and what happened is that I had a mother that stepped in and paid them for me. But other than my mother paying them for me, y'all probably wouldn't see me here today. I'd probably be behind some bars somewhere uh, because of debts that I took on and wasn't able to pay. God paid for those debts on our behalf. And so we pick up in, a, in um, chapter 15 and uh, starting at verse 1. Paul says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, who was Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Rather than it is I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believe. There's three things that I want to focus on today when we're talking about what the gospel is. The first one is that the gospel is good. I moved back. My clicker isn't picking up. The gospel is good. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. We're going to talk a little bit more about this debt that was paid on our behalf. We didn't have the currency to pay it. Not only did we not have the currency to pay for it, your mom didn't have the currency to pay for it, your friend, if y'all gathered everything y'all had around, nobody had the currency to pay the debt that was owed for the sins that we committed. The only one that had the currency to pay it was Jesus. And what did he have to do to get us back in relationship with him? It wasn't just, hey, here's a lot of money, we're good. It wasn't like, hey, you know, let's just look past it. We're good. He had to give up his life. And he not only had to give up his life, 
he was slaughtered on our behalf. This is somebody that was, oftentimes we just see the image of Jesus on a cross and he's up there and it's like, all right, he died and then he came back three days later. And sometimes we, as if that's not bad enough to look at a crucifixion, we forget all that he went through previous to that to show that he loves us. He was betrayed by his friends. He lived in poverty on earth to be an example to us. He was beaten and flogged. They took whips that had like bone chips and things like that in them and slapped it into his skin and yanked off his flesh before sending him to the cross. That's what he paid because of how much he loves you. Guys, to think that the guy, and, and I'll, I'll say this, I have a son. I have two sons and I have two daughters. One, one, of, one of which is, is on the way. I love everybody in here. I can guarantee y'all, and it is as much as I love y'all, if it came between Isaiah and anybody else, I'm picking Isaiah. That's my son. If it came between Zion and somebody, bro, it's not even a choice for me. We're not giving up Zion. I'm not giving up Abiel. I'm not giving up, like the people that I love, my mom, my wife, I'm not giving them up. I feel like I love them too much to let my son die for some of your mistakes. You're just going to have to live with them, figure out something else. My son is going to be okay. God, the God of the universe loves you so much that he volunteered his son to die brutally for you. Guys, the first thing is that with the gospel is that we have to know that we're loved. There's no, greater, there's no greater example of love in the history of the world than what happened for the gospel. And there never will be. And for us to ever believe the lie of Satan, that we're not loved by God, that he's not for us, it's, for, for, us to, for us to accept that is utter insanity. Understanding the truth of the gospel and what he sacrificed for us. And in response to that, we should have to be where you are. Gotta be where you are. We should be willing to do anything for his glory. And then the second part of it is that the gospel is credible. My clicker's still not working. I'm gonna just let you guys hit the slides. The gospel is credible. Again, there's some people that are like, yeah, if that really happened, then okay. But I'm not sure that really even happened. How do we know? Paul's writing this letter reminding the church in Corinth that well, we were eyewitnesses to this. This isn't mythology. This isn't some construct that we came up with. We saw it. Not only I, but there were 500 other brethren that saw this as well. Many of them are still here. Go ask them. Go give them, go, go reach out, go reach out to them and see what they have to say about it. This thing happened. And when you think about guys like, you know, sometimes I hear people want to debate and say, well, maybe those guys were lying. Lying for what? Like, what, what would be the purpose of lying about that? What, what, was, what was the reward? What was the, there's no sneaker deal. There was no, there's no, 
TikTok page back then. You're going to get a bunch of followers, nothing. There was no imminent earthly wealth. There was no, hey, you know, if I do this, I'm going to get a lot of chicks. There was none of that. There was no, there, these guys, these guys oftentimes in response to the gospel lived lives that were, as far as this earth goes, frustrating. Many of them end up in prison. Many of them ended up giving up their lives for Christ in response. So what would have been the profit of lying on this? Actually, there's people that probably would have seen it and, and lied about seeing it so that they could live more comfortably here. But when you see the glory of God, when you see the risen Savior, what can you do? They're compelled to tell the truth. Jeremiah in the Old Testament, in his experience with God, said it's like fire in his bones. Shut up in his bones. He can't help but share. Jesus says that, you know, if, if the, the witnesses won't share, then the rocks will cry out. Like the whole earth celebrates his glory and what it is that, that he's done for us. So the gospel is credible. It's true. And then the last one is that the gospel is for everybody. I know we, we've been talking a little bit about Paul here, how great of a guy he is, church planner, planted this church in Corinth, um, gives us a lot of the doctrine and theology that we have here in the, the New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament is written by him. Some of you guys may not know this, but Saul, previous to this, wasn't the greatest guy. Wasn't a dude that you would want to bring home to meet your mom or your dad or your family, especially if you were a Christian. Paul, formerly known as Saul of Tarsus, was a religious terrorist, and not to be said lightly. Think of Osama bin Laden, somebody like that, and, and our perspective of this person and our perception of that person. That would have been what Paul was. He was a guy that was going around gathering believers, arresting them, bringing them back, oftentimes trying them, under, are you a Christian or not? If you are, let's have them slaughtered. We read in Acts that there were people that were stoning believers and Paul was holding their clothing up so that it didn't get messed up while they were killing folks. That's, that's the life that he lived. And God used him. Not only is the gospel for him, not only is he saved, God then used him to write two-thirds of the New Testament. So the Bibles that we hold here, two-thirds of the New Testament of it is written by that guy. There is nothing that you have done that excludes you from being able to receive the grace, the mercy, the love, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. There's nothing. And I know some people in here might say, man, you don't know what I did, bro. You don't know the people I've been around. You don't, man, if, if you guys knew, if you guys knew what I did, y'all wouldn't even have me here. There's some things, there's some secrets people in here might be taken to the grave because they're so embarrassed by. And I'll tell you this, whatever it is, however horrific it may be, Jesus has already paid the penalty for you. It's done. 
It's expunged. You're exonerated. That's the gift that he's given us. But we have to know that and we have to receive it. As far as it goes in the courtroom of the kingdom of God, we can't defend ourselves. We can't, we can't prove ourselves worthy again. Nobody is worthy. Not the best person you know or the worst person you know. Nobody is worthy of the forgiveness of God. It was paid for by his son. The only thing that we can do and that we should do in response to that love is surrender to him. Surrender your lives to him. It's called making Jesus the Lord of your life, obeying his commands. That's where freedom is. That's where forgiveness is. There's a video that I want to show next. I feel like it gives a great illustration to what it is that I'm, that I'm trying to share up here. It'll take a few minutes to watch. Or we'll give, give them some time to, to get it up. If you haven't seen this, it's called the Lifehouse skit. And there's this young lady here that will be dancing with God at the beginning. You see them in this relationship. They're enjoying each other. You see that God creates her. They're looking at birds and eating together and just enjoying life together. And they're dancing. And then eventually she decides to dance with somebody else. And it's a, a person of romance, right? And this person is, um, if you guys even want to pull it up on YouTube and share screen that way, you know, we could do it that way. Um, but she's dancing with this individual and that individual becomes a divide between her and the Lord. But it doesn't just end there, right? Because we read in John 10, 10 that Satan comes to steal, kill, and then to destroy. So it's always graduating to something else, to something new, right? And so she's dancing with the person in romance, and the next thing you know, that there's another individual that comes that's in alcoholism and addictions and things like that. And now she's trying to engage with them. So now both of those things are in between her and the Lord. And then comes beauty standards and cultural icons and things like that. And so now all three of them are standing bef between her and the Lord. And then there's the fourth individual, which is, um, is an image of Satan and trying to get her to take her own life. Now she's battling thoughts of suicide and all of this. And she gets so far away from the Lord. But you see on the other end of the screen that the Lord is continuing to pull at her heart, calling her back every day. And eventually she throws down these things and she tries to run back to the Lord. But all of these things continue to be in her way. Every time it seems like she's getting closer and closer, boom, she's thrown right back. Every time you feel like she's getting right there, you know, the same things that she chose before slam her back down. And we see people dealing with this. You know, they'll, oh, you know, I love Jesus. I'm committed to the Lord. Next week, man, I'm back into what I swore I was never going to do again. No, I love Jesus. I'm worshiping the Lord. I'm at church now. You know, I'm going to do better. Blah, 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 blah. And then the two, maybe they go for a month, but then that next month comes and boom, they were worse than they even were before. And you get this feeling of defeat like, God can't use me. I'm not worthy. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Like I said, God can use anybody. 
just like he used Paul, he can use you. And you'll see it at the end of the video when she finally just gets on her knees and surrenders her life. I'm not going to fight. I'm just going to surrender to the Lord. The Lord takes on all of her enemies. He, he fights every battle for her till he eventually destroys them all. Guys, that has to be us. That has to be us. You're not going to win this battle alone. The gospel isn't, isn't about you. It's about him and what he's done on our behalf. So I think we got the video ready to play.
That's it, guys. That's it. Can't do it yourself. If you're trying to do it yourself, it will never happen. If there is nothing else that you get from today, it is that there is a God of the universe who loves you, who wants you, who wants a relationship with you today, wants to give you a new way, wants to, wants to give you hope and a future. And he's paid the way for you to get there. You just have to surrender your life to him. I get teary-eyed every time I see that. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Not by ourselves, by his grace. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Later, Pastor Noah is going to open up us for us to be in a time of prayer. If you've not made that decision, if you've not chose to surrender your life to Jesus, I would, I, I, he says that all of heaven rejoices when one of his, his lost children comes back to him. All of heaven. Y'all think we got excited that the lions beat Kansas City on Thursday. All of heaven celebrates when somebody, when one of his children's return. And I pray that when he gives that time for prayer, that if that's you today, that you would find somebody on the leadership team and prayer team to pray with. To pray with. Not that that prayer is what saves you. Jesus is who saves you, but it would be great to have somebody to join you in prayer with that decision today. Let's pray now, and then we'll go into a time of communion. Father, we thank you for, your, for the gospel. That you pursued us, that you loved us, Lord. That you didn't care about the sins of our past that you didn't count that against us, that you loved us so radically that you gave up your son to have relationship with us. Father, I pray that everybody here today would just marinate in that love. Father, that we would know who you are that you love us. And in response to that, Father, I pray that we will love you. As your command says, to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That for your glory, we would be willing to do anything, Father. I also pray that the people in, in this room, in this area, Father, after accepting your forgiveness, Lord, would choose to forgive themselves, Father. If you're not counting our sins against us, who are we to count it against ourselves? And I pray that we would walk in that freedom and that grace and continue to share that love, your good news, the gospel with others, just like Paul, just like these apostles, and just like the Christians that we read about. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.